Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. They're like, can we just have that deal again? He's like, no, no, no. You guys need to walk out into the water. There's a a whole bunch more that that could be speaking of as well. But I do know this. When you're talking about priests, I, my mind, yes, I know that First uh, Peter talks about us being part of a royal priesthood. The body is part of a royal priesthood. My mind always goes to the high priest. And that, you know what, it, within my life, Jesus has been more than willing to step into the waters of my life to make a way. As the Israelites approached the Jordan, ready to cross into the land that God had promised them, they faced one final obstacle. God used Joshua to direct the priests to step into the water. This step of faith was huge. They trusted that God would respond by making a way, and He did. As Pastor James will explain in today's message, these priests offer us a picture of the work Christ has done for us. As the final high priest, He stepped into this world and made a way for us to cross into His kingdom. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Joshua chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I'm thinking I got a whole laundry list in my own brain of all these things where I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do it. But what I can't miss out on is like, all right, Lord, examine my heart. See if if there be any any wicked way within me. If there's anything inside of me, Lord, I just want to, man, purify me, God. Purify me. Sanctify yourself. And Joshua says, listen, God's going to do something amazing in your sight. So be ready. Be ready. Be ready for that. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you great in the the eyes of all the Israelites. That's not a bad thing. Listen, God can exalt whoever he wants to, okay? We might look at that and be like, oh, he shouldn't be. No, no, God's gonna exalt Joshua as the leader, showing him to the children of Israel that he can be trusted and he is worth following. So, God's like, listen, Joshua, I got your back, man. I got your back. Keep your eyes on me. I got your back. Just trust me. Let's go. Lead them across the river. This is crazy. So they started out. Then verse 7 happens. I'm sorry. I went back to verse 6 there. But it says, I will make you great in the eyes of all the Israel, uh, Israelites. Now they, they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give these instructions to the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into that river and stop and stop. Here's where it kind of started really the Lord speaking to my heart yesterday. Because I'm going through this Bible study thing. It asked me questions. It's like, what, what river of impossibility have you faced within your life? And I'm like, you don't have enough paper um, for me to fill this thing out. Like, I can't, no, just give me a simple answer. Like, yes or no. I don't like to, I don't like to go into that. And it's like, I got so many. But the, the whole purpose of the Bible study was point to the fact of like, yeah, but Jesus is your high priest. How many rivers of impossibility have you, have you come up against and you've gotten the privilege of watching your great high priest step into that river for you. And that's where he went, call crushing down on me. 
And then it says, well, what's the river in your life? And I said, I'm the river in my life. It's me. The biggest river, Jordan, within my life, so to speak, is myself. So what do I need more than anything? I need the great high priest to step right into my life and to make a way. Because I don't know about you, but I'm the biggest hindrance in my relationship with God. Me. Because I'm selfish. Because I don't like to listen to him at times. I, I love him more than anything. More than anything. But there's times where I'm battling. I'm battling and, and there's times where I'm in the way when he, wants to do, when he wants to make a way and I'm in the way. And the best thing that you and I can do is, is kind of within this story is like, you know what? Let the high priest take a step into your life. Not that he's not there, but just let him take a step within to your life. This is what Emmanuel has done for us. This is part of him showing up as a baby. It's not just to, he's going to come here, yet he's going to live a sinless life. He did that. He died on the cross. Absolutely. That's salvation, man. He did something for us that we can never do. He rose from the grave three days later. He ascended up into heavens. But when he died on that cross, we got to understand that in, in that moment that, man, he, he parted a whole nother barrier within our lives. For the nation of Israel, it was pretty evident. It was pretty miraculous. It was that curtain that separated them from the presence of God was torn into two. He stepped into that thing and made a way. He parted that thing. He's in the business of parting stuff. And he can step into my life and say, listen, hold on, James. I need to step into your life because... The only way to get through this is for me to walk into your life and say, all right, hold on, hold on. Let's get through this together. Let's get to the other side because the goal is always to get to the other side. That's part of this resurrected God incarnate Jesus that we follow. He's, it's not just like, hey, I rose from the grave. I'm going to go sit at the right hand of my father and I'm going to prepare a place for you, John chapter 14, uh, until, you know, God gives me the green light to go and get you guys. But until then, I'm just going to sit here and hang out. It's like, no, that's not it at all. He's actively interceding on behalf of us nonstop. He's praying for you every moment of every single day, praying for you specifically. He is constantly stepping into the current and the crazy rivers of our lives to part them, to, to make a way. That's what he is constantly doing. We can't forget that. We cannot forget that. And oftentimes I do forget that. And it feels like I get lost in the current of whatever it is and swept down the river and beaten and bashed by whatever rocks may be present within that river. And it's like, I feel like Peter stepping out of the boat and is like, walk on, maybe take a couple of steps on the water, but then you're sinking and you're like, God, save me. You know, and he's like, I'll save you. I'll do it. But this is, this is a reminder for us. This is who we follow. This is Jesus. He is our great high priest. He is our Joshua. He is leading us. He is constantly leading us. He is worthy to be praised. He is worth trusting. And, and here, here Joshua is telling the, the whole group, he's like, listen, just follow the ark, follow the presence of God, follow the high priest. They're, they're for the first time going to be carrying this thing. They got to step into the water. They didn't do that at the Red Sea. Nobody stepped into the water at the Red Sea. But this crazy raging river, we got to step into this thing. Imagine the faith on their part, the high priest. 
They're like, wait, hold on. Like, we remember, like, the, the Moses story was like, Moses just like, you know, the wand, you know, the, his staff, like, over it. You know, not the wand. It's not magic <laughs> like that. But, like, the staff. And they're like, what, can we just have that deal again? And he's like, no, no, no. You guys need to walk out into the water. There's a whole, a whole bunch more that that could be speaking of as well. But I do know this. When you're talking about priest, I, my mind, yes, I know that First uh, Peter talks about us being part of a royal priesthood. The body is part of a royal priesthood. My mind always goes to the high priest. And that, you know what? It, within my life, Jesus has been more than willing to step into the waters of my life to make a way. Okay? Step into the river and stop. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. This is verse 9, verse 10. Uh, Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. Verse 11, New Living Translation, think of it, right? Like, focus on that. Just think about that. God is making a way. Today, he is making a way. And he's going to take care of all those enemies that you don't even know about in, your, in the promised land. You don't even know about all, these, all the battles you're going to be facing, but God's already got it. He's already got it. The Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men, uh, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, of the Lord of all the earth. Then when their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will pile up there in one heap. When the people set out across the Jordan, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, it was the harvest season. Here's how we know the the river was overflowing. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. It is, there is an abundance of water flowing right now in the Jordan River. It says, but as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water began piling up at a town upstream called Adam, which is near... near, uh, Zarathan, and the water below the point flowed into the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry, completely, miraculously dry. So where's Adam? And this is, you're thinking Adam and Eve, not, not him, but the, the town, Adam. Where, where is Adam? Um, 19 miles upstream. Think about that. 19 miles upstream. So as soon as the high priest, or I say high priest, it's not the high priest, it's the Levitical priest. As soon as they stepped into the water, it got dammed up 19 miles up the stream. You're not going to notice the effects of that immediately. Here's the point behind that. Jesus can step into whatever river of your life. You may not realize the effects of that immediately. But what you're unaware of is that 19 miles upstream, the water has already stopped. If you just hold on, if you just hold on, the rest of that water will clear through and you'll have dry land. But that's 19 miles of water that you have to wait for it to clear through. Imagine the people in Adam, they're like, what happened? How's this? The water has just stopped. It's like, it's talking about overflowing its banks, man. They, those guys are experiencing it. How did that happen? Was it an earthquake? I don't know. It's happened twice in the same area. What caused it? Two earthquakes. Maybe God used an earthquake. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Here's what I do know. He's working in your life and you just may not feel the effects of it because he's working 19 miles upstream. 
and it just hasn't reached you yet. So what do I do when I take a step into the water or I'm sitting there at the banks waiting for like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you to step into this water. He takes a step into the water and it's like, well, there's still water there. Like, um, when's it going to stop? But just hold on. Just hold on. You still going to cross it? Yeah, I'll cross it. I'll cross it. You just might have to wait. You just might have to wait. Because he's working. It's just not within view of your sight. So just hold on. This is amazing. And this, this always reminds me of the fact that, again, our Christmas story with, with God taking on human flesh, he was already working before we even knew we needed him. From the beginning of time, before time even existed, God's already had a plan of redemption in play for all of human history, for all of mankind. And so when he showed up as a baby, it was like, okay, I guess the waters had cleared up. But it had taken a little while. It had taken a little while. But there were people who were willing, so to speak, they were ready and willing to cross that stream. But here's the children of Israel. They're at the banks. The Levites, the, the priests step in. The water stops 19, 19 miles roughly upstream. And then it just dries out. The rest of the water goes into the Dead Sea. There's no outlet for it there. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. Um, but miracle, just on top of miracle, is when these guys walk through, it's not like wet, marshy mud. It's absolutely, completely dry. And remember, we're not talking about one family or a couple of people crossing a river. Three million people have to cross this thing. So you, you need, you know, a pretty significant area for these people to all cross. And what seemed like an impossibility when they first approached the banks of the Jordan River, which were overflowing at that time, and they probably were at the widest point at that time with the roughest currents at that time, God was already ready to move. He already had a plan. They just had to trust that he was going to actually do it. Jesus is more than willing to show up in our lives. Whatever river you might be facing today, uh, the, the, thing, the only thing I can encourage you with is, because you might be thinking, as I'm thinking, yeah, but how? But when? But when? I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't know what's, what's happening 19 miles upstream for you in your life. I don't know. But I do know that, man, Jesus is in the business of stepping into Jordan Rivers and making a way when there was no way. He just does that. That's Emmanuel. That's God is with us. And he's still with us. He's still active. He's still moving. So part of my whole thing for today was just, if anything, was just to encourage you as the Lord encouraged me from my own devotionals yesterday, because I'm facing my own rivers where I'm like, I'm done. God, I don't, it's impossible. It's impossible which seems ridiculous to say to God, but I'm feeling-wise, emotionally, it's like that makes perfect sense in my brain to say, I'm done. I give up. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Lord, I'm, if this is, no, it's too impossible. It's too hard. It's too challenging. You need to find somebody else. You need to find somebody else. So if I was Joshua and I first approached that river, I'd be like, um, 
yeah, you got to find somebody else because I can't do that. I can't do that. He's like, I know. I know you can't do it. I didn't bring you here because I thought you could. I brought you here because I already had a plan. I just need you to keep your eyes on me and follow me. That's all I need. And that's all he's asking from me. That's all he's asking from you guys. He didn't bring you to where he has you because you were so awesome and he knew that you were top-notch choice. You are awesome people. Don't get that wrong. Don't please, don't be offended. But he knows what he got when he got us. And it's not so that we can impress all of our family and friends by whatever. We don't part any rivers. Jesus does. And when he makes a way when there is no way, all credit goes to him because he stepped into that river. He's the one who held it up. He's the one who created the dry land for you to walk through. He did it all. And get the, the rest of that story. He stayed in the river until everybody made it across. In your life, he's not going anywhere. I would go out, I would even venture to say, probably in some of your stories right now, Jesus is standing in the midst of that river and he is not moving until you make it through. So you can walk across this dried up riverbed with confidence in who he is. This great high priest, Hebrews chapter four, this great high priest who has gone ahead of us. Remember that, read the book of Hebrews. It talks all about how awesome of a high priest he is. He has gone ahead of us. He steps out into the rivers before we do. He crosses through the valley of the shadow of death before we do. He's a good shepherd. He leads his sheep, means he goes ahead of us. He went ahead of us. He split that curtain in two that made a way, direct access to God, to the holy of holies. Our Joshua, our Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is always going ahead of us. He's always going ahead of us. And when he needs to stop in the midst of that whatever raging river is in your life, he's going to stop. And he's going to just probably hold out his hands. He himself becomes the bridge to get you from here to there. It worked like that in salvation. And it works like that in the promised land. He's always like this. His arms were spread out on that cross like this. Why? It's because he became the bridge between you and God. Because that river for all of us was sin. Was sin. Absolutely. But he took it on himself. And as we enter into the promised land and there's battles that have to be fought, Jesus himself is just saying like, listen, here I am. I'll make a way. Come on in. Come on in. Let's go fight some battles. Let's go, let's go take out the enemy. Let's go conquer some land. Let's go conquer some territory for the Lord. Let's go do it. I'm going to be there with you. I'm not leaving. Just keep your eyes on me. Stay focused on me. Let's go have fun. Let's go have fun. And that's what we need to keep in perspective. Is it always fun? No, not at all. Should it be fun? It should be the ride of your life. Christianity should be the ride of your life. Are there moments in my life where it's not? Yes. Currently, I'm walking through one of those right now where I'm like, I'm, I'm sick of this ride. Like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing or what you're not doing. I have no idea. But um, can, we, can we go up? Can we go through the loop to loop again or something? I mean, I need, I, Lord, something. Let's, let's some, but it's not always going to be like that. 
seasons come, seasons go, and all that good stuff. We don't, we don't rely on our emotions and all that stuff. But it should be the most exciting thing, the most thrilling thing ever. Christianity, following Jesus, it's epic. It's epic. From the beginning, it's been epic. Until the very end, it's going to be epic. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. And just to finish out that chapter, reading-wise there, it says, um, uh, verse 17, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed them by or passed by them. Uh, they waited there until everyone had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Um, I would encourage you to read on into chapter 4 on your own time because here's the deal. You, you might have some sort of river that you've approached the bank, so to speak, within your life today. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. The best thing that you can do for yourself and for others is let Jesus take a step into that river. Let him make a way. You, on your journey through the river, pick up a stone. Pick up a stone, a stone of memorial, remembrance, okay? You pick up that stone, and so when you're walking through that river, you get to the other side, you set that stone as a stone of memorial. For what? So that you remember, as you look back at that river, God got me through that. God got me through that. And so when your kids and whoever else are witnessing your life, because they're always witnessing our lives, you say, you see that stone? I pulled that out of the middle of that river. Well, how did you get it? See, God made a way. God made a way. Set up memorial stones. How do you practically do that? Journal. With your Bibles, you read through the Bible, maybe keep a piece of paper with you. Write through your Bible. I don't know. But set up these memorial stones within your life so that other people, when they, when they ask you, like, how'd you make it through that? You say, let me show you. Let me show you. Let me point you to this memorial stone that I set up, that I grabbed on that journey through that dry riverbed. That's what it's about, guys. There will be other rivers, I'm sure of it. There will be giants that need to be slayed. There will, there, there will be all that stuff, but you and I are not going through this on our own. God showed up and says, here I am. I'm the way maker. I'm going to make a way when there is no way. And him showing up as a baby was, was like, boom, the catalyst of all of that. And he's still doing it today. He is still doing it today. So my encouragement for all of us, all of us, all of us, keep your eyes focused on him, just like the instruction to Joshua. Keep your eyes focused on him Stay in this thing. Don't deviate to the left or to the right. Stay in the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night and trust Him. And let Him step into the river first. And then you just follow after Him. You follow after Him. It's worth it. If I can say anything, following Jesus is absolutely worth it. Even as hard as it gets sometimes. I wouldn't trade it for a thing. I would not trade it for a thing. The lowest points of my life, I would never trade it in. The highest points of my life, I would never, never trade it in. He's too good. He's too good. So we need to remind each other of that. We need to encourage each other of that. So when you gather and you talk and you're overlapping with each other, let's encourage each other to follow Jesus, to wait on Jesus, to let him step into those crazy rivers of our lives, let him make a way and encourage each other to have the faith and the courage to follow, to follow him. It's worth it, guys. It's absolutely worth it. Oh, 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 oh.
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. If you enjoyed today's teaching, you can hear it again or other teachings like it from Pastor James on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Teachings tab. There you'll find a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Did you know that you were never meant to do life alone? As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together so that we can pray, encourage, and help one another through life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you come visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you, too. So drop us a note in the contact form to let us know how we can be praying for you. Our website, one more time, is breadforthebroken.com. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry and, in a way, a mission field. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we would all keep our eyes focused on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for praying, and we hope you'll join us again for our next edition of Bread for the Broken.